With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Cole and Hal podcast. Um, we are recording this on uh, Tuesday, October the 22nd in the evening. Um, Kyle and I with busy schedules, so sometimes it takes us a little while to get hooked up, but as they say, better late than never. Um, I will, uh, I'll throw a couple thoughts out there on uh, Saturday's homecoming game against Purdue. Um, and kind of what I wrote about in my column in, in talking to the players that, that, you know, they called it an ugly win, but, you know, it's better than the alternative. And we saw what the alternative was uh, on Saturday down in Champaign for Wisconsin, uh, who got upset as a 30-and-a-half-point favorite. So um, definitely still some things to clean up, definitely too many penalties, uh, offense still stalling uh, once it gets into uh, opponent territory. Um, but more things to work on. There's five games left, five and two. Um, still in position for the Big Ten West title. And, uh, you know, we'll see how this thing plays out. We, we you know, I guess we know, we know we don't know everything after seeing what happened in Wisconsin on Saturday. Colin, what are some of your thoughts on, uh, on what you saw Saturday against Purdue? I definitely agree with you there. Um, at this point, the season is still up for grabs and in prime position. Uh, Minnesota, the division, and it, that says a lot about where the division is and where being uh, having lost two two of the toughest teams on our schedule, um, still had still only being back three and still having having the opportunity to play both teams ahead of us. Still in very good shape at this point. Uh, <clears throat> I do agree with what you're saying, though. There's a couple of uh, turnovers and stalled drives that uh, we definitely got to do a better job of capital capitalizing on. The early six points from Keith Duncan, who was on a great roll this year. You know, it uh, it just is indicative of how we really just got to continue to work to convert and move the ball on on uh on defenses in the Big Ten. It's gonna be tough, but we gotta find ways to do it. Um it's but uh, outside of those things that uh were kind of uh very you could see them. They're very kind of glaring, but at the same time I was definitely happy with how we were able to kind of bounce back and gain energy and kind of continue to do better in the second half. Yeah, I'd agree and, and you know, Purdue made a little bit of a move there and 
Iowa having lost two games in a row, it, it could, you know, that stuff could start to come back and creep in. Some doubt could creep in, but it was nice to see the guys um, kind of bow up and, and respond and, and make plays when they needed to make plays. Um, the downsides side, and this is just terrible news on pretty much every front. Well, not pretty much. It is on every front. Uh, I was going to push forward here at least probably for the next two games at least, and it could be longer than that without leading receiver Brandon Smith. Uh, again, we're recording this on Tuesday, October 22nd, and Coach Kirk Ferentz let us know today that uh, what they thought might be a bone bruise um, is a little bit worse than that. He didn't go into specifics, but he gave it three to five weeks. Um, and it's pretty much open-ended, so you got to kind of proceed without, um, you know, expecting him not to be there. And when he comes back, it's a bonus. So, um, you know, in a situation like this, Colin, what, what happens now offensively when you take such a key piece out of the offense? At this point, you know, just kind of what we've talked about throughout the season so far in terms of next man up. Uh, has to be more out of um, Smith Marset, and has to be more out of Torin Young. Well, not Torin Young, but uh, some of the other receivers uh, within the core. It's I, I guarantee you this. I, I know that we have a very good receiving core this year, and yes, Brandon Smith led the core, obviously, but um, Tyler Goodson has been doing a great job. Tyrone Tracy is the young man I was just thinking about, who um, is going to have to also step up majorly. Uh, Nico Regani has done a great job as well. It's, you know, it's it's a it's a difficult task to have to step into, but pushing forward, there's really no choice. You got to go into each game with what you have, and I'm very confident in the group of guys that the team has put together. And seeing a lot of good play from a lot of young uh, players that are really uh, stepping up and making plays with opportunities present themselves. I mean, I've seen it, it's it seems a trend this now that uh, Smith Marset will give us at least one one-handed catch a year. So <laughs> I'm impressed that young man continues to grow as uh, as a receiver, and he's got to step up and maybe become that number one option if if need be. And I'm sure he's extremely viable in, in filling that role. So that's kind of where we are. It's got to move move forward. Next man up. Yeah, I'm with you, Colin. I think Amir is certainly he's built to take on more responsibility if that's – I mean, he, he would be willing to do that whether Brandon was here or not. So I, I don't worry about him. Tyrone Tracy, a name that you mentioned, uh, Kirk told us that he would now be the starter at the X spot, which was Brandon Smith's spot. So you're taking him. Uh, he was playing some Y and also some Z in the slot. So he's moving out to X, and that opens – you know, opens uh, – reps up for guys in those other two spots – and you look for a guy like Oliver Martin, the kid that transferred, you know, the Iowa City kid that transferred in from Michigan. You know, he's now seven games in. I, I know he didn't get here till the summer, but you got to hope that maybe he's, you know, things have slowed down for him a little bit within the Iowa offense. Um, Nico Regani's playing really well. Uh, Max Cooper's another guy. Calvin Lockett, who plays at Marcus Pascal, who, who played at Marcus Pascal's high school down in Tam- the Tampa area. Um, he's a second-year player who, who's who's built kind of kind of between Amir Smith Marset and and Brandon Smith. Brandon Smith is such a a unique 
uh, player just in terms of his size. He's almost the size of a tight end playing wide receiver, and Amir's got some length, and I, I think Calvin's probably a little bit closer to, to Amir, maybe not with that type of speed, but I think they're just going to have to piece this thing together, and uh, Nate, should, Nate Stanley should have some comfort level with all these guys because they've all, other than Oliver Martin, they've all been in the, been in the program now for a couple of years. Exactly, exactly. And so at this point, <clears throat> this really does give opportunities to all the young men that you mentioned. And now with a few games left in the season, just kind of really into the meat of it with all, kind of just gives everybody an opportunity to really get some great game experience moving into our into late October, into November, where everything is really decided and all the factors and all the chips are kind of on the table. It was kind of nice too, Colin, is not, again, there's nothing good that comes out of a, a guy getting injured, especially an upperclassman who has a limited amount of time on the field as it is. Um, but after this week's Northwestern game, there is a buy. So there's a chance to kind of reevaluate, you know, kind of where things are at offensively, um, maybe some things you want to do moving forward, self-scout, things like that. So, before going up to Wisconsin. So there is some time here to, to, to kind of uh, piece things together and maybe advance a little bit more and, and um, evaluate again what, what, uh, what you're looking to do here down the stretch and heading into November. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, that being said, I do definitely want to touch on some of the, the, the defense. You know, I think that overall the group played a very – very good game, play to our strengths, but I do, I do, I have seen some leaky yardage. This team did not get off the ground whatsoever uh, in Purdue. Uh, obviously, only with with uh, their leading rusher, um, King. What's his name? Dorhue. What he ran ten for twenty six yards, ten carries of twenty six yards, and no touchdowns. So very happy and pleased in that regard. But definitely have to continue to come together in the secondary and turn up some of that defensive pressure. Um, didn't see A.J. make any plays this past weekend, and I really hold the key to this group up front in his hands because he's definitely proven that he can handle it. And between him and Chauncey and those guys up front, definitely have to continue to work to, to help our secondary by continuing to get more and more pressure to force, uh, force te- teams into a negative yardage place. It's really what we have to continue to do. Purdue was holding him, man. Yeah, he was. Yeah, he was. I, I get he, was get, he was getting so frustrated, and, and he does such a good job in the post-game interviews of not blaming or not calling out their officials, but he just smiles. He knows what's going on, and these offensive linemen are using every trick they can use to slow him up, grab his jersey, get their legs tangled up with his, do everything they can to kind of neutralize him. But Of course, of course. Got to continue to work with him on those things. That's what it's about, though, you know, because at every level there's going to always be different tactics that you have to take out on. But you, if you focus on one thing, I told him, you focus on one thing, you kind of build off of that repertoire, you kind of get them out of a lot of that stuff. But, you know... You know, it is what it is at this point. I think that he's, you know, along with the entire group are, are showing improvements and will continue to do so. We definitely need to, to, like I said, continue to put those opposing quarterbacks in bad positions. 
How about that true freshman receiver for Purdue, Colin? David Bell, man. Iowa went hard after him, and, and obviously he showed everybody why. He, uh, even without Rondell Moore, he really, uh, he really impressed me. Yeah, yeah, he definitely had himself a day on Saturday. You know, it, it's uh, it just really goes to show how much, how much further ahead these young men are coming into college atmosphere these days. I mean, for a young man to come in as a true freshman and and not just contribute, but be be leading guy, the leading target throughout the game, I really just spoke to how talented of a player he is. And it's impressive to see. And, and it's going to be a tough task for the next three, two, three years. He uh, continues to grow in the manner that he, he's uh, displayed for against us this past weekend. Yeah, that was uh, – it's good they don't have to see him again this season and maybe he'll leave early and go to the NFL. So, <laughs> so we don't have to see him, but another couple of years, but yeah, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's impressive. As you said, that's a good point that the guys just are, are so much more prepared just physically and mentally when they get to college these days, because so many, so many high school programs now run themselves like college programs. Um, Obviously, it's not the same thing, but closer to it than, you know, certainly when when I was uh, in high school and, and even when you were in high school, I'm older than you. But things have changed quite a bit, and it, it makes uh, – I think it makes the college game better. Yeah, I agree with you. It really does. And I think that the, you really can show a lot and give a lot of credit to a lot of these programs these days that are really preparing these kids for these – for the, for the next level now. And, you know, it's becoming more and more commonplace to see a, a young man come in from being in a high school program where they excelled and and uh, come onto a college campus and there's not – the stage is not too big for them. It's not too um, – it's not too much something that they can't control and they, they're doing well. So we need to continue to evaluate that. And I know – and a young man that we have on our own on our own roster, and um, and Mr. Goodson, there he's really Tyler Goodson is really turning out to be a very good young player, and I'm excited to see how he continues to grow and adds to this offense and continues to make it more dynamic. Um, you know, and he has the ability to do so, and I know that Brian is definitely working him into the mix a lot more and has done so throughout the season. And I think we'll continue to do so moving it, moving forward. Yeah, I'm with you. Um, I, I don't pretend to know as much close to as much as, as Brian Ferentz. I would like to see more of Goodson, but I, I know Brian is, is putting things together or putting those game plans together each week with that in mind, trying to get his best playmakers on the field. And I think Goodson's going to play more and more as the season goes on. Colin, I want to ask you, I, I, I'm just so, imp- you know, so impressed with this defense and what, what coach Parker has been able to do with, with all the injuries they've had and, and, and just plugging guys in. And, and I really was impressed with what I saw against Purdue because it was the game. It, it was, we finally saw, and I think this has a lot to do with them getting healthier in the secondary, um, more sub packages that nickel, they use the cash position with uh, the true freshman Dane Belton out of uh, Tampa Jesuit 
um, I thought looked pretty good. You had a couple of uh, freshman middle linebackers stepping in for Christian Welch and Dylan Doyle and Jack Campbell. Um, you know, they're still using those pass rush packages where Imani Jones comes in kind of on, on third and long passing downs. It seems like as good as this defense has been, it's still evolving and still has a chance to be even better. Absolutely. I agree with you. And you got to add to the mix there guys like John Wagoner. And yeah, like you mentioned, Jack Campbell, guys like I was kind of like, who, who are these young men that are stepping in and stepping up like this? It was very impressive to see. And yeah, just like you said, and just like we've continued to to, to speak on uh, throughout this whole whole session and uh, we've spoke on throughout this whole season, Next man mentality, you get your opportunities, you take advantage of them. And, yeah, to see these young guys flying around and getting the opportunity to play, I mean, honestly, yeah, John, who stepped in and made a lot of key plays throughout that defensive – throughout the defensive battle. I mean, we, we know the names Geno Stone. We, we know the names Jamin Colbert. But uh, some of these other young men have really – stepped in and that's the thing about it you got to have depth especially along the defensive front front seven you got to have depth you got to have guys that can can step in and can really um just, just make plays and key key opportunities and that was John Wagner's second sack this season and I think that he'll add nicely through the defensive line rotation and you know very impressed and and yeah I want to see them continue to grow and it's going to it, again, going into uh, November and when to when it comes down to it, trying to get bowl seating and trying to get some of these things that are, are really going to matter going into January, uh, everybody's going to be needed to come to the to step up and step to the table and, and contribute in any possible way uh, moving forward. Leave it to you to advocate for those defensive linemen that I left out, and I, I, <laughs> <laughs> I uh, you that your. Absolutely right. John Wagoner, uh, Zach Van Valkenburg, both of those guys played more than they had been playing. And it was interesting, Colin, because I talked to Gino about that um, this week, Tuesday, October 22nd. Today was press day. We talked to players and, and Coach Ferentz. But he said he feels like the reason they've been able to, you know, the reason against Purdue that more players got in there is because they're earning the coach's trust in practice. Um, Mm -hmm. And that's something a lot of us in the media uh, and fans certainly don't get to see how big is that or how important is that to, to, you know, as a player to be able to um, gain that trust in practice from your coaches? Well, it it seems cliche and it may, and it may go under thought about, but knowing your playbook, knowing your assignments is a huge thing. And you got to think that a lot of these young men are, are in a new situation where everything counts. And you're really trying to put your – you're trying to show not just the head ball coach or not just the D coordinator, but your defensive line coach that, hey, you know, I know these plays. I know what I'm doing here, and I'm growing, and I'm evolving. And, you know, going in, going through practice and being in those second team reps and going against the number one offensive line and, you know, just continuing to, to, to get better and competing is where it all comes down to. And, you know, this is the next wave that's going to come in because you never know at any time, at any given time, your number could be called and you have to be prepared or you'll be skipped over. But these young men have shown that they can be prepared and they can, 
step in and make the plays needed to to help contribute to to the outcome of the game. Not not to to for you to get too technical here, but it's kind of like the receiver position where I think sometimes, and I'm guilty of this, that I'm like, listen, the kid can run fast and he can catch, put him in there. But I, but being around the Iowa program for, you know, going on 25 years, last few years of coach Fry and, and all of coach Ferentz's tenure I understand there's more to it, but I get that same sense. And I, and I hear this from people and fans, same with the defensive line. Like when AJ first came in, why isn't he on the field every play uh, as a true freshman, just put him in there and let him get the quarterback. Can you speak a little bit to, (laughs) (laughs) to, you know, it's that, that it is more than that. It is more than just lining up and, doing whatever the heck you want out there. Yeah, I mean, there's so much that comes down to um, technical uh, ability and the ability to actually do what's called upon within the defense, without within the scheme of the defense. It would be nice to just tell somebody to just run up the field and, you know, go go get somebody, but that leaves you susceptible if you're not able to scheme, if you're not able to, play the defense in the proper way, it leaves you susceptible to possibly getting uh, special blocking blocking schemes towards you to open up running lanes, special blocking schemes towards you to get you to open up passing lanes, and they'll just use that. You know, this, that's been one of Iowa's strengths throughout the years has been the ability to make sure that they cross-train everybody so they're able to play every position within the defensive front and especially the defensive ends position because having to play with an open side defensive end where you're not playing against on a, on a tight end, so you're a little bit more in space and compared to playing on a, the tight end side where you're a little bit more in a box because that offensive tackle is so much closer to you uh, being in between the tight end and tackle. Um, so guys have to be able to, to do both. And it's ultimately, you know, you have to be it, – it, it, there's so many different responsibilities within the defense that if you're not gap sound or you're not in proper position, then you give up a big play. So you have to know the job. You can't uh, just run up the field or you leave your, your defensive line mates as well as the rest of your teammates out to dry. Yeah. And I know you guys know so, so much about and how the, you know, just the, we, we hear the players talk about the little things. We need to do the little things better. It's they say it all the time. They say it every week, and you know I try to appreciate that. And and, I, and over time, over the years, I've appreciated it more because you you see those little things that that either are happening or aren't happening, um, and that's really what the difference is. Because all these guys at this level are really good, and all mm-hmm. these coaches at these at this level are really good. If you're not on your game, you're going to get the worst end of it. And that's just the way it is. It's not – there were – I think probably, you know, 30, 40 years ago, it was just the best – if you have the best athletes, you just throw them out there. And that's not to discredit game plans and stuff, but it's become so specialized. You talk about analytics and all these things that, that people are doing with numbers and percentages and all this other stuff that goes into it. You really have to do the little things. Yes, you do. 
Yeah, absolutely do. And again, just like you said, on this level of play, there's so much talent out there that it doesn't matter if you don't put the full effort into it when you have their time to do it. I mean, we're seeing a lot of the effects of not having as much practice time on the field and how that affects the tackling and how that affects kind of the open field um, mobility of, of certain, certain plays and how certain things are ran. So it, it all is relative. And I would say that, you know, yeah, a number of years ago, you definitely, if you had the bigger, better athletes, you can outrun people and you can run around people. But yeah, it's definitely a lot more widespread and people are pretty much in a position now where they pretty much just put them, you know, you have to have the proper schemes and you have to have the ability to put your best players in the, in the right positions to make plays. And we've done a good job of doing that over the last 20, 30 years. And that's pretty much the wave of the future. You know, it's not, we all have heard these terms of uh, two yards and a cloud of dust in terms <laughs> of what the Big Ten is and what that was back in the day. But every offense has evolved. It's evolved from having the, I don't know, you know, wildcat offense to um, <clears throat> a lot. Well, let's, let's go back even further. We got you got the wing T offense. You got, you know, people who use a, a tackle over offense to kind of out overbalance, unbalance a line, certain things like that. So there's always an evolution. But within the schematics, again, I, I know I've talked about this a number of times throughout the year. I always am happy that we lean on our running game because that's that's what if you have an identity as a team, you're in the best position to always say, okay, we can lean on this. We can come back to this because this is what we know. This is what we can do. And offensive linemen, honestly, prefer to run block. They prefer to fire off at people to make people move backwards as opposed to catching somebody all the time and having to, you know, having to hold up somebody without grabbing and holding them. And you never know what the guy behind you is going to do if he's going to take off running outside the edge. So they prefer to, to, to come off the ball and drive guys off the line of scrimmage. So, that's what we have to do is, and continue to do, and that's that's who we are. And we have to continue to remember that that is that is who we are, and that's how we have to continue to play to be successful. No doubt Iowa has has an identity under Coach Ferentz, and uh, I, think most, I think most opponents know what that is. And um, I would say Northwestern has an identity too. Um, and it's not, it's not the same as what Iowa does, but there are definitely parallels there, um, mm-hmm. you know, kind of tough, hard-nosed defense under Coach Fitzgerald and, a, you know, controlled offense to a degree that, uh, you know, doesn't make mistakes, uh, low, low turnovers, low penalties, things like that. Um, what are your views on Northwestern? What do you remember about them? What have you seen through the years from, from them as a program? Well, talk about Northwestern and talk about revolutionizing offenses. That's a, that's a team that I remember um, coming in as a freshman in 1999. Uh, pretty standard offense, uh, but moving into 2000, they were part of the group that really revolutionized college football and having the spread offense and having to uh, having started really that wave of putting players out in in uh, space, you know, along with Purdue, have been just those teams that have been equally just, just you know, kind of out there in, in the front wave of, of creating this wave of, of ball. 
And so, but they've always been physical. They've always leaned very heavy on the running game, and I don't see them as being any different there. You know, it's going to be it's going to be a tough task, regardless. You know, I don't think that their record necessarily reflects who they are as a team. I think that they're definitely a group that can come in and, and cause havoc on us, and we have to definitely show up on Saturday with the intent of uh, taking everything that we can on the field. Obviously, being out there in Chicago is going to be cold. It's going to be brisk, I'm sure. One of those great October morning, <laughs> October days. But, hey, you know, we, we've had success there in the past. We have to continue that success to come moving forward. Yeah, Northwestern, I agree with you. The the one in five record's probably not indicative of, of um, you know, the – I don't think it tells the story, uh, the whole story of that they've played a tough schedule – um, and they just – they've had issues at quarterback. They lost a four-year starter in Clayton Thorson off of last year's team, and they thought the kid from Clemson, the transfer from Clemson, Hunter Johnson, who was a five-star recruit, would come in and, and kind of take the reins, but he struggled mightily. Uh, they brought Aiden Smith in. Uh, he's a junior. Um, Trent Green's son uh, probably could have helped them this year. He got hurt early in the year and is out for the season. Uh, so the quarterback position for them has really been been a mess, and that's that's so vital in every level of football, um, particularly mm-hmm. when you get up into college and pro. When you have mm-hmm. uh, you have unrest at that position, it makes it really really hard on the offense. It really does. You definitely have to have that continuity. So, you know, it's definitely a trying time for them. Uh, but I know that that uh, coming into it, it's going to be a difficult task for us. But you know, I'm, I'm, I'm excited that we have an opportunity to get back after it against a quality opponent and try to come up with a, a two-game win streak. And Fitz doesn't like Iowa. He's let that be known. And I yeah. think I, I think it's a healthy rivalry because I think he, it, although he doesn't like Iowa, he has a lot of respect for Coach Ferentz. And I think the same can be said. You're looking at the two longest tenured coaches in the Big Ten. Mm-hmm. I think this is Pat's Fifteenth uh, year at wow. Northwestern, and maybe even yeah, I think it's like his fifteenth year because he took over for the the late Randy Walker, who was there when when mm-hmm. your, those years you were talking about. They brought that spread offense, um, mm-hmm. and then um, Coach Fitzgerald came back and you know to his alma mater and has taken it from there and is just. He's made uh, – he's the, the, that whole group from, you know, when Coach Walker took – was coaching into what, what Coach Fitzgerald's done, they're relevant. They just are. I mean, people think about Northwestern and they want to go back to the 70s and 80s. That ain't the case anymore. Right, right. This is, this is definitely a tough conference right now. But I think that, um, you know, it's unfortunate, obviously, that uh, – you know, they're, they're having the struggles they are, and it's also unfortunate that he hates Iowa the way he does. But it's okay. It's a healthy it's a healthy rivalry, like you said. And, you know, the respect more so than anything is what you what you appreciate from coach to coach, team to team. And, you know, it, again, will be a, a tough game. We're, we're expecting uh, Northwestern's best, and I'm sure that they're going to they're going to come. They're, they're going to expect to win at home and, and send us home packing. But you know, again, um, we're going to have to get after them on defense and see where we stand on offense and continue to, to do what's, what's uh, been our strength throughout our our tenureship here and just got to reestablish that and do our best to get back to that. 
I think the offensive line is getting to a point where they're definitely gelling. Just got to continue to to grow as a group. Keep fingers crossed that they stay healthy too, so they can continue to gel like that. Because I would agree with you. Um, Northwestern has won three in a row in this series, and I know that's uh, the players and Coach Ferentz mentioned that a couple times today. So that's certainly. I'm sure Coach Doyle has big signs in the weight room this week and around the facility reminding everybody in case they should forget uh, that they've lost three in a row to Northwestern. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm sure. I'm sure there's no shortage <laughs> of signage throughout the facility this week. You know, it's, the, it's those little things, those little reminders that, hey, you know, we, 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 got, a, we got a little bit of a bone to pick with this group. So don't, don't think that they're taking us lightly. We have to we have to get after them and and get that street going as well. That sounds like a good place for us to wrap this one up, folks. Um, looking forward to this. I'm looking forward to this home stretch here. These last five games, um, as Colin said, the cold weather's coming in, and this is. Uh, this is the real Big Ten time for Big Ten football. We'll see if uh, the Hawkeyes can win this division. Um, certainly have the talent to do it. We'll see if they can put it together. It's going to be a dogfight here. Um, but for Colin Cole, this is uh, Rob Howe, and we appreciate you folks listening. And we will be back next week to talk about the Hawkeyes' trip to Evanston. Have a good week, everybody. <laughs>